Welcome to In the Oil Patch, presented by Shale Magazine, broadcasting from the Oilfield Expert Studios. Oilfield Experts, where you get the right products right now. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch. And welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Bellotto, and today, with my co-host, David Blackman, we have a great show lined up for you. We'll be joined by Brooke Simmons, who is the president of the Petro Alliance of Oklahoma. But first, before we bring on Jim, I'd like to tell you about the latest issue of Shell Magazine. Bindel is the feature of the latest issue of Shell Magazine. Very, very interesting guy, basically saying that Shell industry must change to survive, but will the industry listen? It's a great article. You've got to read all about it. If you want more information on Shell Magazine or to read the cover story, please visit shale, S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com. Did you know we are having our State of Energy, Corpus Christi, August 26, 2021, from 1130 to 1 p.m. at the beautiful Omni Hotel in Corpus Christi. Our keynote speaker will be Tracy Bentley, who is the CEO of the Permian Strategic Partner. The moderator for the panel will be Sean Strawbridge, the CEO of the Port of Corpus Christi. And the panelists will include Barbara Canales, judge of Nueces County, Bo McCall, the CEO of Moda Midstream, Brian Freed, the CEO of Epic Pipeline, and Jim Redinger, who is the CEO of Stabilis Solutions. This will be a sold-out event. For more information, be sure to visit shellmag.com and click on the banner ad to get more information on how to obtain your tickets or sponsor the event. Let me tell you about two upcoming mixers. First mixer is set for September 7th at the Hilton Doubletree Sky Lounge in Midland, Texas, as well as we have September 22nd, a mixer happening in Houston, Texas. Huge Landing Boulevard in the Woodlands is where that mixer will take place. To get tickets for either one of these events or for both, please visit shellmag.com and get your tickets there. And be sure to join us for the seventh annual Casa Golf Tournament, Crude Association of San Antonio. It is set for August 27th at the beautiful JW Marriott in San Antonio, Texas. For more information, please visit the banner ad on Shell Magazine's website. That's shale, S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com. And now it's time to welcome on my co-host, the editor of Show Magazine, David Blackman. David, welcome to this week's show. Hey, it's another beautiful day in the oil patch. Let's start with oil prices. We have had, um, for the past couple of weeks, some strong energy prices, oil prices. But this week, we seem to have had a significant drop early this week. And obviously, it could be because of COVID. Right. So are the prices because of COVID, lack of traveling to some degree, and all the different uh, flare-ups going on around the United States with COVID cases, what do you think, uh, is that have something to do with impacting prices right now with uh, oil and crude? Oh, sure. Yeah, it, it does. And I think it's it's mostly uh, fright, frankly, uh, from government reaction to COVID, not so much of any real impacts COVID is having. Uh, because demand for crude oil just continues to rise. Uh, but when you see uh, the CDC and the president and Anthony Fauci get on, on TV and, and talk about all these mask, mask mandates and, and shut-ins they're, they're thinking about doing related to what is really a pretty minor uh, uptick in, in cases compared to what we experienced last year, 
in a couple of different periods of time. Uh, that scares the market and, and they, the traders start anticipating, you know, lower demand uh, out in the future in the out months. But right now, I mean, there's no decrease in demand. It just keeps getting stronger and stronger. Uh, we did have the other significant factor, I think, that caused a drop on Wednesday was uh, a report from the uh, EIA of a uh, build in crude oil storage volumes here in the United States. And it was the first actual build in, in inventories uh, in several weeks. Uh, and so I think that spooked the market a little bit as well. But the reality is the, the market's undersupplied. Um, even with o OPEC plus adding 400,000 barrels a day onto the market uh, this month, um, the market still is most likely undersupplied. And I think this will be a temporary drop in prices and they'll start going back uh, up again once all the traders uh, manage to get their wits about them. Is there any chance, David, that you think that COVID might actually increase in some way and really affect uh, the crude prices in a more significant way should well, the numbers keep going up i you know i'm i'm no expert on on the spread COVID. of viruses <laughs> right but uh you know if if we have a a real pandemic like we had last year uh and countries really start start shutting down their economies right now no countries are really shutting down their economies in response to this delta variant uh, but there's a lot of rhetoric flying around and politicians and frankly, health experts like Fauci should be more circumspect in how they talk about this in the media because they cause unintentional consequences or, you know, I, I hope they're unintentional, uh, like, like we're seeing this week with, with crude prices. Right. Well, let's switch gears just a little bit and talk about natural gas. Because earlier we were talking about crude, now let's talk about natural gas. These prices seem to be having the total opposite effect. Yeah. They continue to rise in August. Uh, in a month where typically we would think that we would see some weakening in gas prices, right. we're kind of seeing a different pace. What's happening here with natural gas? Yeah, it's been a really interesting year for natural gas. Uh, it has come back. Demand for natural gas is actually increased more strongly this year than demand for crude oil. And, and the fact that demand for natural gas continues to rise so, so significantly tells you that, you know, the, the demand, uh, the natural gas markets and crude markets are still linked to, to some extent. So it tells you that economies globally are very healthy. What it also tells you is that some other countries other than the United States are following the United States example because uh, a lot of this increase for demand for natural gas is coming from Europe and Asia where mm -hmm. countries are starting to get serious about their own emissions reductions and they see that the United States has been able to reduce our emissions to levels really I think uh, the last I saw was like 1989 levels okay by replacing coal-fired power plants with natural gas power plants. Yes. Uh, and, and so we see other countries around the world moving in that direction to some extent. And that's really significantly increasing demand for U.S. natural gas and LNG exports. And uh, so it's, you know, it's a really good thing for, for our economy here in the United States because it helps with the trade balance and, uh, you know, creates a lot of jobs here in the United States. You know, it seems like oil and natural gas always um, get uh, frowns when we talk about their drilling, but 
to see that it's increasing and we're also seeing admissions go down, you would think that more of the media would would tend to pick that up, but we yeah, really you would. <laughs> right. <laughs> but thank goodness that other countries are listening as well. Let's talk about the international demand as well. That's been yeah. on the rise with natural gas. And BP said this week that the current demand will soon surpass pre-COVID levels, which is right. very interesting. Now that's great news for LNG, like you said, but but what about the consumers? How are they going to be impacted? Well, and that's that is uh, you know a downside of this. Uh, as natural gas prices go up, uh, it does increase your home heating bills, of course. Uh, right. In fact, Centerpoint uh, just asked the Public Utility Commission here in Texas to grant them an increase in the rates they charge to home consumers. And of course, I think we talked about this a bit last week too. Uh, for those up in Minnesota, I know our new listeners in Minnesota and, and other That's parts of the country. Um, uh, Texas and, and other states around the country, a very high percentage of, of our electric electricity generation is done via natural gas-fired power plants. And really, even in the Northeast, in New York and Pennsylvania, places like that, there is a lot of natural gas-fired power generation. Um, and, and so as the cost of natural gas goes higher, you're going to see utility companies, electric utility companies, also going to the public utilities commissions in those states uh, to ask for rate increases uh, on home electric bills. So yes, it, it could have a, if it lasts, right? It, with natural gas prices, it's hard to know how long this, this rise in gas prices will last. But if it lasts for a period of months, then you could see higher rates uh, for electricity bills as well. There's been a lot of talk about LNG of yeah. uh, companies coming online. Give, give me a, a brief and quick idea of like how much is LNG really performing? And, and we're seeing a lot of new LNG discussion of plants coming on, mergers, yeah. uh, or, you know, partnerships coming together. Do you, will we see a surge in LNG demand? Yeah. And it, yes, absolutely. And we have this year. I mean, we're setting new records in, in LNG exports. Uh, the Port of Corpus Christi seems to set a new record every month uh, out of their port. And of course, we have LNG export facilities uh, across the Gulf Coast around Houston, uh, Brownsville. We have uh, two under construction down there. Um, and in Louisiana, uh, two very big ones and another very big one that will come online here in the next couple of years. And, and, and so, the, you know, it's a really booming business sector here in the United States. And uh, the U.S. has become one of the top three providers of, of international LNG exports, along with Australia and Qatar. And, um, you know, are really uh, getting a lot of market share in Europe in Asia here for, for U.S. natural gas. So it's, it's, a, it's a great business to be in right now. That we're seeing this demand in LNG of, of creating these new LNG, the export terminals. This is all good when we talk about the error admissions and why the United States is doing things right. in the way of reducing the admissions. So this is all really good for the United States showing once again, isn't that strange how that works, David? Once again, the United States is showing the, the world how to lower admissions and we take the lead by just showing them how to do it. And there, of course, the demand is on. And now we see other countries moving uh, in that way 
to try to lower their emissions as well. And one more very key point to make about that is we've done all that without heavy government interference in the market. The markets have worked. That's correct. I don't know why Democrats can't, and the Biden administration can't figure that out. Let the markets work. We'll we'll do it Mm -hmm. if you just let us work. There you go. Well, David, with that, that is all the time we have. When we return, we'll be joined by Brooke Simmons, who is the president of Petro Alliance of Oklahoma. And you're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Remember this name, Oil Field Experts, to locate any part, any time for your automotive or oil field equipment needs. Oil Field Experts' specialty is those hard-to-find oil field parts for your fleet maintenance needs, and we've been providing those parts and accessories to keep your tools turning since 1965. From the auto repair shop to the pump jack, call us for the right part right now. Write down this number, Oil Field Experts, 210-471-1923. Again, that's 210-471-1923. And visit us on the web at theoilfieldexperts.com. And now it's time for us to bring on our guest today, Brooke Simmons, who is the president of the Petroleum Alliance of Oklahoma. Brooke, welcome back to End the Oil Patch Radio Show. Kim, it's really good to see you again. David, it's good to see you guys. Thanks for all the good work you do out there. Well, thank you very much. We were excited to bring you back on because, uh, you know, the In the Oil Patch Radio Show is now nationally syndicated, and we are really trying to help bring a greater awareness of oil and gas into different areas. And of course, Oklahoma is one that has uh, got a lot of oil and gas going on. So we want to bring you on and and give us an update. But let's start first with Petroleum Alliance of Oklahoma, its mission. And then we'll get into a little bit more about some of the things that you guys are working with. And how have you been also responding to uh, the Biden administration and this assault on oil and gas, if you will, coming out of uh, this administration? Great. Well, thanks very much, Kim. Uh, First of all, I came on board the Petroleum Alliance of Oklahoma in May 2020, so I really had a chance to see uh, us go from the pandemic lockdown to and driving, frankly, across the country from Washington, D.C., back to Oklahoma, where I was born and raised, when I-40 was empty of traffic. Now, if you guys have been on I-40 lately or you have been to an airport recently, you understand that demand side coming back, which is really mm-hmm. nice. It's really great to see the economy rebounding. Um, But our mission at the Petroleum Alliance of Oklahoma, representing 1,300 member companies and their tens of thousands of employees across the entire value chain, upstream, midstream, downstream, the service side as well, is to always be working on behalf of the oil and gas industry. Now, frequently, that means, of course, on the advocacy side, to be pushing back against uh, bad ideas. And at the same time, also be thinking strategically and that great chess game that is public policy and how we make certain as many of our members, regardless of size, whether they be 11 employee, family owned business to a publicly traded company with 1,100 employees to get them across the river, right? right. We know that the, the, our world is always changing. David writes about it a lot. You guys talk about it a lot. And so we're trying to think about how we position ourselves to capture opportunities as we move forward. So that, in a nutshell, is really uh, what we do. 
You're right. Yeah. So you guys are kind of advocating a lot for uh, independent more than the large integrated. But I know that there's some of your members, too. So it's right. probably a fine line. Let's talk about your annual meeting. And then I know David has some questions for you about the boom. The annual meeting that's coming up, give us some information on what we can expect that you guys will need to cover um, or what you guys are going to be covering this annual meeting. When is it? Where is it? And what do you expect to cover? Our annual meeting comes up August 5th through 7th at the Four Seasons Resort and Club Dallas at Las Colinas. That's a long, yeah. just knows is at the Las Colinas. So you're coming to Texas. Coming to Texas, absolutely. All right. We're kind of like uh, we're the Oklahomans who flee Texas instead of the Texas <laughs> legislators yeah. fleeing Texas, right? So Got it. We're going to yeah. come down there. We're going to have a great uh, weekend together. One, to business and network. Two, to hear some exciting speakers down there, including the president and CEO of the Dallas Federal Reserve Bank, Robert S. Kaplan, who's going to give us his take on where we are uh, with the economy. We're going to have some deep dives in the Oklahoma economy, what's going on in the industry, what we are expecting. We're going to hear from EPA Region 6, the oil and gas expert from Region 6 to talk about what's in store for the industry from the Biden administration and this new outlook. Uh, you remember the Trump administration was primarily focused on compliance. Are we going to see increased focus on enforcement from the Biden administration? How do we need to think about that? How do we need to prepare for it? And of course, that's going to impact every company of every size in this industry. So yeah. uh, some really exciting stuff coming on. Uh, in addition to that, we have lots of other speakers coming up, including a CEO panel, where we're going to hear a little bit about what's in store for Oklahoma, how the uh, largest operators are thinking about the opportunities in Oklahoma. And as you well know, they're they're active in lots of different basins all across the United States. So lots of good stuff. Uh, we're going to be posting our speakers lineup here, I think, in the next couple of days. So stay tuned. Go to the PetroleumAlliance.com to uh, pick up that info. Well, be sure to send it to us, and we'll be happy to post it and push it out. You know, well, one of the one of the interesting things uh, right now is the fact that with all the shows that we have done, and by the way, we're pretty excited. Um, this Sunday will be our live show in the San Antonio studio, and it'll be our 300th show. David, can you believe we've, we're on 300 wow. shows? <laughs> yes. I'm flies. <laughs> if you, uh, I mean, what, you guys have done a great job. Um, you know, persevering through the upside of the cycle and the downside of the cycle. It's really nice to see you guys out there and now with a nationwide uh, audience. So thank you very much for what you do. Thank you. And you should see, you know, the past guests that we've had have just been kind of a really great uh, opportunity for us to just shake it up and talk to different people. But as we interview these guests, David, I'm not sure if you'll agree with me on this, but it seems as though a lot of them are saying that, uh, you know, the the independents and uh, service companies they really do need to start looking to move towards esg david i know you in, had an interview i've written a lot day. about that lately yeah yeah and so yeah. it'll be interesting to see with this administration you know all of the different uh hoops and jumps that all companies emps and, and service companies are going to have to do just to stay alive or just to be relevant and to make a buck um, and so I wonder if in your conference you're going to be covering, you know, any of that as well, because I think there's a lot of interest, you know, in that area. When, we are. When we get back from break, um, I know we want to talk a little bit about the Biden administration. What's specifically happening in Oklahoma to you guys with uh, a lot of the regulation that's been coming down from the Biden administration and also the boom? But we do have to take a quick break. You're listening to and the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. 
Roseland Oil & Gas is excited to bring you the third annual South Texas Oil & Gas Convention, September 15th through 16th at the Henry B. Gonzalez Center in San Antonio, Texas. This will be a huge networking opportunity for the oil and gas industry. Does your company offer a service, product, or equipment for the oil and gas industry? Well, you want to sign up today to exhibit or attend at roselandconsulting.com roselandconsulting.com or give Roseland a call 903-787-7544 903-787-7544 Hi, I'm Kim Bellato, wanting to talk to you about how to age gracefully. As a woman, my appearance is important to me. It makes me feel good about myself when I feel I'm taking care of myself. And I have been visiting a woman for many years who has helped me with my wrinkles, my skin's elasticity. And you know, a lot of people think it's really just involving women, but it's not. Many, many men also seek treatments as they see the aging process occurring. I visit Cynthia, my friend of many years, who is a master injector for San Antonio Cosmetic Surgery. I feel very comfortable going to her and allowing her to just do her work on me. Pick up the phone, call Cynthia, make an appointment, and see what she can do for you because it has taken years off of me. So if you want a free consultation with Cynthia, give them a call at 210-641-4320. Again, the number is 210-614-4320. Or you can visit their website at sanantoniocosmeticsurgery.net. Be sure to tell them that Kim within the Oil Patch Radio Show sent you. Welcome back to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Brooke Simmons, who's the president of the Petroleum Alliance of Oklahoma. Yeah. Hey, Brooke, this is David Blackman. Thank you. Thank you for, yeah. for coming on. Um, Great to be here. The industry's been in a boom this year, you know, uh, really all year. Uh, it just keeps getting a little stronger all the time. Um, you know, as we came out of the COVID epidemic, everything came roaring back uh, much quicker than the, quote, experts expected it to. And I'm just why, of course, that's nationally, uh, in a, as a general rule in the industry. I want to check in with you uh, about the scoop stack and, you know, the other areas in Oklahoma where there's oil and gas activity. Has, has Oklahoma been included in this kind of mini boom that we're having? Well, we're slowly coming back. Uh, you remember at the depths of that double black swan event, we were down to eight or nine rigs, right, yeah. mid-year. Uh, we have been held steady, according to the Baker Hughes rig count, at about 27 rigs for about the past, I'm going to say six weeks, uh, a little bit, little bit less than that sometimes and up to, you know, 27, but that's kind of where we're holding right now. Yeah. Um, if you look at the folks who are adding back rigs, I mean, you see not only a large operator like Continental Resources or Aventive putting some rigs back to work or, or a marathon, but you're also seeing like some of the private equity guys putting some rigs back to work in Oklahoma. So that's interesting to see. We're at this really interesting place in Oklahoma, you know, we were the first to sort of lay down on activity and we're sort of the last to pick up on activity. Yeah. Um, so in 2018, I believe we hit a high rig count of 156 rigs working right. in Oklahoma. So if you think about a state that is a, for all practical purposes, a petro state, right? Our dollars drive every other sector of the business economy in Oklahoma, primarily, unless you're, um, you know, like associated with uh, the defense sector, 
in Oklahoma or the aerospace sector in Oklahoma, which we still impact. But uh, so how do Oklahoma policymakers really think about the right kind of policies to get Oklahoma back in the game, right? Yeah. At that Goldilocks level, not too hot, not too cold, but what policies should we be putting in place so we can attract drilling capital? And as you guys know, for every $1 million invested in the upstream sector onshore, that's like $1.1 million uh, in right. uh, total tax return, about $5.1 million contributed to GDP. Uh, you know, that's like what I think the numbers were six direct jobs and 33 uh, indirect jobs or associated jobs. According to the 2011 IPAA survey, which we did, uh, the most recent survey has a little bit lower number with regard to total tax revenue, but it also includes offshore. Yeah. So, you know, you're talking about Oklahoma state government and, and just give us, I mean, kind of give us some details on exactly how impactful oil and gas is to the state's budget and the revenues they collect. Every year, we do an economic analysis of our impact. Uh, let me see if I can recall all of that. So we're responsible for one third of total state GDP, uh, <laughs> one out of every $4 in public spending for roads, bridges, schools, et cetera, based upon the, our, the tax impact. Uh, one out of every five jobs in the state of Oklahoma is directly related <laughs> to oil and gas. And wow. let's see, uh, one out of every $3 in earned income. So you see how impactful that is. And if you look at Oklahoma's uh, tax streams, the five major revenue streams or something, something like that, you see every time that we lay down, so do income taxes, sales and use right. taxes. All of that associated revenue streams that go back into the state are impacted heavily. So what we like to remind our policymakers here and including our federal delegation is that this really matters. So let's try yeah. to get it right, guys and gals. That makes yeah, a lot of and it, it's hard to do. Makes a yeah. lot of sense when you've got so much writing on it, and uh, and then you're kind of <clears throat> got a lot of regulation coming out from Washington D.C. Brooke, when we get back from break, um, you guys just ended your Oklahoma uh, legislators met, and I want to kind of get into that too and figure out like. What were some of the wins that you felt you you guys got? Were there any really big losses that you guys are going to be concerned about as a result? But we got to take a quick break. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. SR Trident is a veteran-owned and operated industrial construction company. Established in 2012 by co-founders Stephen Snyder and Ryan Berthold, SR Trident has positioned itself as an expert in the industrial construction sector. With mounting business expansions, they've assembled a team of skilled, experienced, and able individuals who are dedicated to meeting client needs as they evolve. SR Trident's safety record is impeccable as they've won a number of awards, including the ABC National Safety Excellence Award in 2020. With exceptional leadership and experience driving their gains, SR Trident can tackle any project and are ready to let their talent be the driving force in the energy industry. Call today, 361-776-2662 or visit online at srtrident.com to request a bid proposal today. Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine provides services like print advertising and digital marketing. Our digital advertising services include website, email, radio, video, and social media. Shale also provides specialized web services from website management to search engine optimization and social media management. Visit our website, shalemag.com.
And we're back. You're listening to in the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Brooke Simmon, the president of the Petroleum Alliance of Oklahoma. You guys just finished uh, your legislators. I was getting used to ready. I was getting ready to say Texas legislators, but this is Oklahoma. Oklahoma legislators. Um, you guys had your regular session earlier this year. And uh, I'm sure it was very, very busy, but what were some of the big issues that you guys dealt with? Um, any wins and any losses that you are concerned about as an association? No losses uh, directly uh, affecting the industry. That's good. One, we held the line on a lot of business policies that were really negatively impactful to Oklahoma, regardless of whether you're in the oil and gas industry or you know making widgets of some sort. Um, with regard to uh, victories, I want to touch on it on two. One, we passed a law that uh, basically was a prohibition on the public nuisance stuff that you see a lot of our opponents coming at us on. So if you are in the business and really any business is complying with the law and the rules, nobody can say that you're a public nuisance. Now that is not a license to uh, forego your uh, need to be a good neighbor. Right. And Oklahoma right. We constantly face those challenges. But as you guys know, our opponents frequently come at us on the nuisance side of things. Mm-hmm. So kudos to the Oklahoma legislature for helping us get that across. the. They were actually line. saying, no, y'all are the nuisance. Get going. <laughs> right. to some degree. Right. Um, let me tell you, our adversaries out there are very busy mm-hmm. and you do not have to dig too deeply to find job ads for our opponents looking to find activists to organize in communities and counties where there is oil and gas activity. Uh, You just go look online, you'll find them. They're looking for folks. So that is a a fantastic tool. It is a shield. Again, that doesn't say that we have to forego our social license to operate, but it does give us a little bit of cover on that front. We're exploring other things that the states are doing uh, across the oil patch so that we can think about ways that we should be saying that's a great idea from Texas or that's a great idea from North Dakota. So let's figure out how we can can share information, cross pollinate and come up with great public policies at the state level that will help us compete. One of the thing uh, that I want to talk about is we passed a law that allowed for uh, county assessors to consider the economic obsolescence of material, not materials, but um, infrastructure. So for instance, if you have a a pipeline system that's been out there for X number of years, and you've seen the volumes decline over time, and that pipe is no longer worth what it once was. So let's go ahead and make certain that people are really thinking about that. Just like we think about the depreciation and across or anything else. So those are two things I want to touch on that I think really move the needle. There are other, there are other things that we've done and uh, Kim and David, I'll be happy to share with you our, our legislative accomplishments as we reach out and grab the legislative accomplishments from our other peer states. Let's move on to the Biden administration, our favorite subject in, in Congress, and this uh, what I keep calling the ongoing war on oil and gas. Um, recently in a news conference, President Biden was asked about rising gasoline prices and what he planned to do about that. And he immediately in his answer referred to the fact that he is trying to raise his solution to high gas prices apparently is to raise uh, over a hundred billion dollars in new taxes on, on the oil and gas industry that produces the gasoline. Talk a little bit about just how awful an idea that is and how it would impact consumers. 
all right? So when they talk about going after what they call tax subsidies uh, <laughs> with regard to the oil and gas industry, they're talking about primarily two things that impact my members. There's a couple of things uh, that are on the fringes, but they're primarily talking about percentage depletion and IDCs. IDCs is the deduction of ordinary and necessary business expenses. The, the stuff that you can't put your hand on, not the steel in the ground, but the other stuff that it takes to make a business work. So this is the same kind of deduction that any other business would get, and right. yet they want to restrict it to uh, you know targeting the oil and gas industry because somehow that doesn't uh, allow them to climate virtue signal as much as they would like. <laughs> when it comes to percentage depletion, right? If you own a building, you get to depreciate that building over time. And at the end of the day, you still have an asset that you can sell and it has a value associated with it. For our guys, and it doesn't, it, it, you are talking about uh, depreciating that, that oil in the ground or that natural gas in the ground over time. And at the end of the day, you have a cost, right? You have to plug right. that well appropriately to, to uh, you know, deliver the standards that are expected. So those two things are incredibly impactful on the industry, regardless of what size your company is. And it impacts royalty owners too. Um, Jerry Simmons, the former president of the National Association of Royalty Owners, used to tell me that his average member was in excess of 65 years old. She was a widow and she earned less than $500 a month in royalty income. And this was probably the only tax deduction that she was going to get. So this has an impact across the entire sector and uh, it should be very concerning to everyone. Well, yeah, and, you know, the other, oh, go ahead, Kim. I was just going to say in, in, in asking David's question, it, let's break it down quickly to the consumer, the person who's listening that doesn't quite understand if that's the administration solution, it's going to have an impact on them too. So we've talked about the operators and what you can expect. That price gets passed down to the consumer, doesn't it? Uh, higher prices at the wellhead get priced down to the consumer, not by us. That's what the market says that that MCF of gas or what that barrel of oil is worth. And that affects everything because we live in a petroleum age. We have lived in, an, in a petroleum age, thank God, for more than a century now. And that is going to continue. So consumers have to be concerned about what the price is for how the impact is going to be for your next cell phone or for whatever thing. A We're gallon of milk, eggs. That's right. At the That's pump, exactly right. everything is going to go that. up on the consumers. And and so exactly. it ultimately is what Biden's saying is, well, we're going to try to tax oil and gas. But at the end of the day, we're really going to tax the American people because they're going to exactly, carry the burden. That's exactly right. What this administration is attempting to do in our own backyard is create artificial scarcity when it comes to right. petroleum. Yeah. And what that means is it's going to mean higher prices for consumers. Now, their answer to that is let's not talk about the jobs that are created in the oil and gas sector or serving the oil and gas sector in every state of the union, let's go ahead and let's tell OPEC plus to pump. So what they're doing, right. they're saying not in our backyard. We don't want to do it here where we can do it uh, efficiently uh, in the most cost-effective manner with the cleanest molecules produced in the world. Instead, we're going to say Russia, Saudi China. Arabia, you guys handle that, okay? Right, right, right. That's, that's not what we should be doing. That's not we what we should be, be doing. 
Well, David and I talk about this a lot. We all live on one planet. So if anybody believes that it's better to drill in another country than here in the United States, you're not really understanding the problem, which is why our show exists. When we come back from break, let's talk a little bit about continue on the conversation. I want to talk, switch gears a little bit about the federal lands that uh, the Biden administration signed. Uh, We'll be right back. You're listening to in the oil patch radio show. Do you want to join the fastest growing oil and gas network in Texas? Ma'am, I'm all for growing my business. So you've got my attention. What is it? Teak is the Texas Energy Advocates Coalition. They hold business mixers to help businesses grow and network. Any cost to join? For the next 90 days, it's completely free. No charge to join. But they do want like-minded individuals to attend who are interested in growing their business and networking. Well, I want to join. Where should I go? Go to shalemag.com slash Teak and click on the join link. Enter your information and we'll get you set up. Join the Texas Energy Advocates Coalition at shalemag.com slash teak today. And we're back. You're listening to an Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Brooke Simmons, who is the president of the Petroleum Alliance of Oklahoma. Hey, Brooke, the the president, uh, I want to talk about his suspension of the federal leasing program for a minute. I know Oklahoma is not home to all that much federal land, uh, but the president also wrapped up Indian lands in that suspension, or he tried to. And Oklahoma is home to quite a lot of Native American lands there in the state. And I just wonder... Is that program, that suspension of the leasing program, has it had any real impact on the industry there in Oklahoma yet? And do you expect it to in the future? Well, one, David, you're correct. We don't have a lot of federal minerals in the state of Oklahoma. Yes, we do have some. Uh, Yes, it is a bad idea, uh, regardless of what the impact is immediately. And a lot of our operators don't necessarily just work within the confines of the Oklahoma borders, right? Right. Our guys are in New Mexico. Our guys are on federal lands in Wyoming. So there is an impact, regardless of uh, the fact that Oklahoma doesn't have a lot of of federal minerals. With regard to Indian country in Oklahoma, as you know, that's a very complex issue. And we're going to sort of muddle through that as a state uh, together um, for years. I don't necessarily expect that's going to change unless there unless there is some sort of court challenge that provides us additional clarity. But we're all sort of working through that right now. Um, you know, with regard to the, with the exception of the Osage Nation, uh, the nations don't have a significant amount of uh, minerals that are nation uh, resources. Right. Uh, the, a lot of that has been sold off over time. Uh, but uh, there's still some some impact, and we like working with our tribal leaders on on that stuff. We don't necessarily see eye to eye all the time, but we certainly understand that uh, a, a rising tide is going to lift all boats. We have an, a, a, a joint interest in economic sustainability and the reduction of confusion when it comes to investment in Oklahoma. So we're going to work that way our way through that. We've had a uh, an Indian warrior on top of our capital here for some time, so yep. it's not like this is unheard of. And and we all grew up going to uh, public school together and playing dodgeball against one another, and it was no <laughs> deal, right? 
Uh, Brooke, let's change and talk about the Clean Energy Future Act, which is being proposed right now from the Democratic Party to reclassify returned water from the drilling operation as a class two hazardous waste and something that's never been done before. Um, your thoughts on how would it impact, um, first of all, the industry in Oklahoma? Well, it's a big deal. And I haven't looked completely through all of that, but I will tell you the innovation that has come from the industry on the use of produced water is been fantastic. We are using less fresh water. We are repurposing, recycling, and using that produced water to complete. And there should be encouragement for folks to do that instead of prohibitions or other uh, restrictions on it. So I wanna see the innovators working in, in our state and in Texas and everywhere else. And so we gotta be very careful about restrictions that are going to actually defeat what the desire of the environmental community hopes to accomplish. Yeah, and a lot of that that water brook, uh, you know, that, that gets recycled there and or just returned up out of the well, a lot of it gets cleaned up and used for agricultural purposes in Texas. Does that happen in Oklahoma as well? It does somewhat, yes. Um, what we like to talk about is we like to talk about those guys who are using that produced water uh, over and over again so that they limit the number yeah. of water barrels that are required for any sort of stimulation efforts. You know, another another area where we're, we've, we've seen increasing regulation, and I think we're going to continue to see from the federal government, is the era of, of methane emissions. And, and you know, they've, they've just recently, Congress just recently uh, voted to re-implement the, the uh, Obama-era methane regulations that uh, the Trump administration had rescinded. You know, I, I don't know how impactful that is uh, in the scoop stack area, uh, but I wanted to give you a chance to talk about that. I think it's impactful, uh, not only in the scoop stack, but all across the state of Oklahoma yeah. and in every state that is an oil producing state. I think that the, the biggest challenge of uh, that sort of lack of clarity uh, that was provided by the Trump administration on this is going to be on the impact of small businesses, right? right. The family-owned business that has marginal wells that are barely economical, and we're going to add several thousands of dollars uh, in, du in duplicative controls uh, uh, you know, on them. That sort of financial burden may cause some of those guys just to shut in their wells. That is a concern of mine. And we have to understand that the industry as a whole is doing so much better on the right. item of methane emissions that the environmental community has absolutely no idea of right now. And I think that our improvements over time on methane emissions is going to blow everybody's mind. It's just, well, it's, it's fantastic. And it already has been, right? I mean, just over in this century, it hasn't the industry really very dramatically reduce those emissions on a voluntary basis without all Absolutely. these regulations? Absolutely, and we're investing billions of dollars in this and the control technologies that are required. And it doesn't matter where you work in Oklahoma or elsewhere. So I think it's a, it's a fantastic success story. Let us tell that story, guys. And uh, I think that if the, environmentally, if the environmental community really opened its eyes and understood what we what we can capture together, 
with regard to their climate goals, uh, they can't do it without us, right? It's just right. not going to happen. Mm -hmm. So let's let science and reason tell the story here. And I think we have a great success story within the industry to share uh, with everyone. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about the progress we're making on it. But I tell you what, the heavy hand of government coming down on the smallest businesses is not the way to do it. Right. And I think one of the things um, in closing the show that David and I talk a lot about is how as great as the industry is, uh, the EMPs, the service companies, they lack one thing, which is they just really have not ever put together a good public relations program that could tell their story. And and it also seems to me, though, as an outsider kind of looking in, we just talk about it here on the show, is it can't be from you guys because you guys have a dog in the fight. It has to be taken to uh, the airwaves, if you will, in a way that we're telling the story. Um, because we want to tell the story because there's a great story to tell here. You guys are lowering air emissions. You guys are reusing water. And I just wonder when that day will come that we'll actually, the industry will pull it together and really look at a cohesive campaign that's needed across all the United States to kind of tell this story because they just haven't done such a great job um, in, in getting that. They've done a great job, but they just have maybe not done a great job of getting the word out to the people who are very concerned about the environment. Well, Brooke, that is all the time we have. Thank you for stopping in at In the Oil Patch Radio Show uh, and talking to us about Oklahoma. Kim, David, thank you so much. Keep thank up you, the Brooke. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.